Hey y'all, this is Ovi, and you're tuned in to Yeah, But Are You Listening? A space created for us to laugh and cry, share blueprints, and grow through transparency. We'll talk about the things that make us nervous and the things that get us hyped, but most of all, we'll be authentic. Let's get to it. Hey y'all. Welcome back to Yeah, But Are You Listening? It's episode three called Family Matters with my cousin Shaquay Peacock. Um, I asked my cousin to be my very first guest in hoping that she can kind of help me get the swing of this thing. So I did ask Shaquay to send me a bio so I can tell you a little bit about uh, this person that I think is super dope. Um, She's a native New Yorker and has held about every position in the culinary field from sous chef at the Metropolitan Museum of Art to executive dining room chef at the New York Times. Um, She's been a private chef, which we'll talk about a little bit. She's been a chef on a private yacht. Um, She's a food writer and photographer for various publications. And then now she's an executive chef at a tech company. She graduated from Johnson & Wales University with a bachelor's in culinary nutrition and has an associate's in science and culinary arts. When she's not working, she's traveling. Uh, One of the things I admire most about her, uh, she travels for culture and inspiration Um, and, of course, food, I'm sure. So she's visited over 20 countries and she's cooked in kitchens all over the world to include Spain, Thailand and Mexico. Uh, We're going to talk about not only her culinary dopeness, but we're also going to talk about her travel experience and a little bit of dating. Let's get to it. What would you like for people to know about you that don't know you? So you are in New York and I'm here in good old North Carolina. But what would you want people to know about you that they don't know that was not in your bio? You don't remember what was in your bio, do you? <laughs> New York native, chef, world traveler, work for a big company back in corporate America. Um, Uh, uh, I I feel like my bio covers like most. But what about the soft stuff? So like what I would say is that um, I would tell our story of how we met. So I guess maybe I'll do that. I'll start with that. So um, Quay, for those of you that don't know, is my cousin by way of my grandmother and her grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. Our... Our mothers are first cousins. Yes, and so that would make us second cousins. So we're second cousins. Um, Quay and her brother and her cousins used to visit, used to meet up um, semi-randomly. I don't really remember that there was like a, it wasn't like every summer. I feel like people have these stories of where, the, where they went to visit their cousins every summer. We didn't have that. Because I feel like we would go to North Carolina almost just about every year but it would be on my grandmother's side. For so, the family reunion. For the family reunion. Yeah. So you are on our grandfather's side. And then like, we would always stay in the hotel and then like my mom and Uncle Snap would break off and then go visit. And go you visit. Because we that wasn't our family. So we didn't come to that reunion. And then you guys right. didn't come to the reunion that was here, that was our, that would have been our 
grandparents. You guys didn't come to that one. No. Well, anyway, we saw each other pretty randomly growing up. So it wasn't like we were tight. I yeah. always knew I that I remember seeing you like. Not much. I was I much remember... closer to our other cousins, Jake and Tia and like them mm-hmm. um, at the time. And so it wasn't until probably 15 years ago. Oh, wait, I know it's that. It's been a while. It was the year I graduated with my associate's degree. So that was 2003. All right, so we're 2020. So 17 years ago, we go yeah. to a funeral with mm-hmm. a family member, and um, somehow Quay and I end up next to each other in the pew. And it is um, an interesting display of sadness from uh, our extended family. There was a, the dress was not particularly appropriate. There was, you know, nice level of mid-level drama. Um, And that was how we started and like bonded. And we've pretty much been close since then. Uh, I remember thinking, I remember your mom telling my mom that she was surprised that we hit it off so well. Like they were not, your mom was like, Quay doesn't, she doesn't talk to people. She doesn't talk to new people. She's like, so, uh, but I mean, like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely Barb. Hey Barb. It's like, Hey Barb. Uh, I remember her being like, you mean she actually calls Ovi? And my mama was like, yeah, I think she's actually coming to New York in a couple weeks. She's here. She's coming here. She's gonna hang out with Quay and Darius. Like, so yeah, that was yes, that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the end. Like, cause back then I was like super shy. So I really was just like I could not tell why we were sitting in that funeral. I'll tell you that because we I know, because yeah, it's like we just said, and I think it it was me, you, and Darius, my brother. So the three of us were just like, okay, and then that's how it was. Probably because at the time I would have fit nicely in the middle. So like right. you were way was, less shy. In the middle. I was sitting in the middle, but like you were way less shy or just not an extrovert. Darius is like completely on an the extrovert. other end of right. extroverted. And so I was just in the middle. I was like the missing, the missing piece. Right. That's yeah. how we got here. I think it's interesting. We both have on black, both of our necklaces, our hearts. We both have on hoops. We're like the same person. <laughs> Somewhat the same. Yeah, somewhat um, the same. So I, I asked um, you to be my first guest, first because I was hoping that it would be an easy conversation to have, uh, but also because I think you're amazing, which is something I tell you all the time. Anyway, um, Quay has been on Chopped. Um, we'll talk, I guess we'll talk about your chef stuff first. We'll talk about the, we'll, we'll get into the dating stuff later. We talk about okay. the chef stuff first. So Quay's been on Chopped. She's been, she's been a long time, um, would you say you're still a personal chef or no? I say yes, because I'll still pick up, you know, events here and there. Mm-hmm. It's few and far between, especially since COVID and the pandemic happened. People aren't, you know, having as much parties. Um, my People usual are time- partying. People are partying in New York. Oh, but here? Yeah. Here, Atlanta, there's no, the pandemic skipped right over it. I mean, the yeah. numbers are going up. It's clearly killing people. But, right. But yeah, we're partying. Yeah, because like I wouldn't, I wasn't a private chef where I had one family five days a week. 
I okay. used to have that um, when I first started private chefing, but now I just do like, you know, events and dinners. So usually it's like, okay, this weekend I'll be out in the Hamptons and I cook for one family Thursday night and Friday. And then Friday night I will leave and go to another family and do Saturday and Sunday and then come home Monday. Or it would be like, oh, I'm having this birthday dinner for 15 people. Can you come and do it? So it was kind of like that. Um, freelance, because it, it was different clients. Mm -hmm. And of course, all the holidays and stuff. Like, it's crazy. This is like the first, this, this week is Hanukkah coming up. And yeah. a lot of my clients um, are Jewish and kept kosher. And that's basically when I, how I started in private shopping was in kosher kitchens and kosher homes. So it's crazy because like this past year, I would make the most money like during the Jewish holidays and it's been like nothing because those holidays are like 20 people and you know, my clients are just like, no, we're not so doing it. So in terms of money, right? So from a, like, so if I wanted, cause that's not something I hear a ton about. I mean, I guess I just don't have the, I guess I just don't have the friends that have private chefs coming in. You know, we don't live in the Hamptons. I mean, we're going to get there. We maybe, maybe we're going to live in the Hamptons, but today, Today I'm doing all the cooking. So, so there's right. that. Um, so like what, I mean, I would assume it's pretty lucrative to be a private chef. Oh yeah. It's lucrative. All right. So then I have a question that is like, it's probably pretty off the cuff, but what is the difference between like private chefing today? Like what you would do and like my grandma that cooked for a white family 50 years ago or a hundred, well, she would have been a hundred. So we're going to say 70 years ago when she was cooking and like washing, she was like there, she wasn't a slave. She wasn't that old, but you know, she was like maybe one step removed. Like what would be the difference professionally between the two? I think what you just said is the whole thing in servitude. Um, you know, when I'm hired by these families, mm -hmm. number one, I have the education. Um, I have the experience and the skill set. Right. Um, to say, this is my rate, um, this is what I could do for you. Mm -hmm. And also, I think, you know, it comes down to, um, I think, my confidence level and just doing this for so long, because I probably wouldn't be able to say this 10 years ago. It's just like, I know what I'm worth and I know what I bring. Right. So, you know, there are still cases like that. Like, it's very interesting working for all of these different families and you see how they treat other staff who mm -hmm. don't have an education, who won't speak up for themselves. And it's, you know, it's, it's like, wait, what? You know, um, well, how do you find them or do they find you? Is it like you're, it's like a job application or is it more like word of mouth? Like, what if I wanted to, I mean, well, not today, right? Because I'm sure they don't want me to just come and cook like hamburgers and gravy. They want real, they want kosher. I don't know about kosher stuff. So they want, you know, they want something more than salt and pepper. They probably want me to jazz something up. And I don't, clearly, I am not going to be like, well, you could pay me X amount of dollars right. to cook what I cook for my kid, right? Spaghetti. You want some spaghetti? I got you. Um, mm -hmm. But is that like a job that's more word of mouth or, yeah. or if you have somebody that's, that's, even if they're educated in that field, right? So they've gone to culinary school and they want to be a private chef. Like how would they even break into that industry um, to make money or to even get to a point where they, they have a, a, um, a reputation in that field? I would say the main thing for people to realize that 
myself and most people that I know that are private chefs did not go to school saying, I'm going to be a private chef. This is something that kind of happened. Um, and what separates the, you know, mediocre chefs to like the best ones is your amount of experience. And and when I say education is not schooling because you don't need to go to school and get a degree in culinary arts to be a chef. My idea of being a chef is just working in restaurants. You know, like, honestly, if someone says to me they're a chef and they never worked a day in their life in a restaurant, I'm looking at you crazy. Like, um, I think because, you know, television and media made everyone like, oh, I'm a chef. No, you're not. You know, I was a chef in the beginning of the pandemic. Right. I, I turned into full chef mode. I was, we was, I had new recipes and I was like, yo, look at this stuff I made. And we was eating three meals a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like chefing it up I, right. for Instagram and Facebook. I was, yeah, like, well, you're not saying I'm a chef. Like, I mean, I did on a couple posts. I was like, <laughs> it was a joke, but there's people out there who just like, I'm a chef. And, you know, for people who take this seriously, yeah, I didn't call my chef for years and years after I even graduated. It was like years for me to feel comfortable saying that because it's something that's earned. So it's like you mm-hmm. work, you start, basically you start from the bottom and you work your way up you know, different stations, working the line, then working in management. And then you could say, okay, I'm a chef because I've managed this team. I started from saute. I started from peeling potatoes in the corner. You know, I started, you know, working a grill, having my arms, like, I don't know if you see this. I I still, you know, right. You you know, it started, basically started from the bottom and you worked your way up. And then you, then you could say, you know, I am a chef. I'm a chef. Um, yeah. yeah so for, for, for doing private, um, number one, you have to really know um, just yourself. Know how how you are with shopping. How are you yeah. with um, organization? So they want you to oh, do yeah. all that, right? You they yeah, just basically pay you to be their their food person. Yeah. Okay. Um, how are you with writing menus? And then so that's. All of this stuff before you even get into the kitchen. So there's a list of things that you right. have to be, have to know how to do before you even go in the kitchen and cook. Right. The cooking is the easy part. It's all of the stuff before. So like if like someone hires me or if I have a client, you know, the good thing is a lot of the clients that I have now have had for years. So they'll just say, Shaquille, we want French. And I'm just like, gotcha, you know, and I'll just make a menu because I know what they like. I know how they want it, blah, 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 blah. And I'll just send it to them. Sounds good. Boom, done. But if it's a new client and they they say, oh, I want to have a dinner party. Mm -hmm. These are the ideas that I'm thinking. Usually I'll go with their ideas and have like three different menu options, like three different options, but not menu options, like three different menus. So they'll see like everything put together. Um, and then from there they say, okay, sounds good. Then you do the shopping, yeah. go to the house and do the cooking. And then when you get to cooking, you have to know, you know, how fast are, are you? You have deadlines, right? Like if they say, I want dinner at seven and it's seven thirty, and you're still cooking. They're not going to hire you again. Right. You know, so you have to know, um, your, your speed and know how you are under pressure. Like there's so many, you know, things go wrong all the time. Things don't go to plan, especially in a kitchen. Like I worked this um, dinner, the first time I was in the home and it was a new oven and the client told me like, yeah, it's a brand new oven. We don't know how to, we don't even know how to use it, blah, 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 blah. I made this peach and almond lattice crust 
pie from scratch. Uh huh. Put it in this oven, and the owner was like, "Yeah." The another the wife was just like, "Oh, you do it like this." Da, 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 da. A couple of minutes later, I look in, the whole top is burned. <laughs> what do you right. do? You know what I mean? So you yeah. have to be able to say, "Shoot, okay, this didn't work. What do I do?" So I right. scraped off the top, made a crumb topping put that on top, baked it off, they never knew. You know, but you have to always think on your feet. And that's something I feel like that's learned, especially in restaurants. Like you can't get that education in school. Like I didn't, I didn't, when I left school, I didn't know how to do all of this stuff. You know what I mean? If anything, school is just the foundation of like learning how things go together. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, your mise en place and like putting your ideas in paper and, you know, being organized. It's like a foundation, but you have to build up on that. And if you don't, then. Well, cause that's similar to what you guys had to do on Chopped, right? So if you guys aren't familiar with Chopped, it is a uh, food show. I don't really know how you, how you would describe it. It's a food show where they give you, there are I think three rounds and they basically give you ingredients, give you random ingredients and you have to mm-hmm. make stuff um, in, a, in a specific amount of time and then they rate you on how it tastes and presentation, right? I kind of didn't leave anything out, right? So yeah. um, every round, someone gets shot. Right, right. So it's kind of like Survivor, <laughs> sort of. It's kind of like Survivor. Um, and so prior to Quay being on Chopped, Darius, her older brother, was on Chopped a couple times, I guess, twice, right? He, he's going to kill me, right? He's going to hear this and be like, did she not say two-time Chopped champion? <laughs> right. I'm going to get it. Okay. So Darius Peacock was a two-time Chopped champion. Um, look him up. Google him if you don't know, right? So behind him um, came Shaquay. So I don't remember... How many, it seems like it was really close together, but it, I mean, I know TV records, mm-hmm. anything, but seems like not very far apart. Um, and they completely shaded my cousin. I just want to go on record to say that they completely shaded her in the process. She should have won. She should have beat that chick that didn't even finish and burnt all her shit, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I feel like they shaded her because Darius had already won twice. Like you can't have can't have a brother and a sister keep winning, right? That couldn't be right for ratings. But um, one of the reasons I feel that way is because they kept talking about Darius. They kept mm-hmm. mentioning, well, your brother was here and he did da 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 So, you know, yeah. way to not pave the highway for us, Darius. Like, that's not what you're saying. <laughs> but anyway, so tell me a little bit about your, like, behind the scenes chopped experience. Because obviously, when you were on, we all super promoted it. Like, Facebook, mm-hmm. I feel like I promoted it on Instagram. Everybody did. Um, well, I'm much more of like an Instagram presence now than I was, I think, then is why I said that. But yeah, yeah. We definitely were tuned in. Um, I think we watch the reruns every time it comes on. Somebody texts out and it's like, it's on again. Um, and so we watch it then too. And of course, the two-time Chop Champion reminds us, or his mom, somebody, your mom reminds us that it's on so we can just keep watching it over and over and over. But what was that experience like behind the scenes? Because I don't, I cannot imagine... Um, like even right now, I think about what's in my pantry and what's in my refrigerator and these things go together. If I'm going to make spaghetti, this is what I'm making, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm making something else that's not spaghetti, I make other stuff. But anyway, if, there's, if I'm making something else, I know that I'm going to do this, 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 and this. I can't imagine if somebody took ingredients that weren't on that list that's already in my head and was like, make something. It would be like, you know what it would be like? So, I, so to kind of take a, another trip for a second. When I was a kid and I would visit my grandma, she yeah. would let me 
take random things out of her cabinet and bake them into a pie. Random things, R random. Egg, flour, sugar, peanut butter, nutmeg. You're like, oh, that could make this. I assure you my mom would tell you it was not delicious because my, mom, my grandmother would let me just stand at the table, knead it all together, put it in a pan, I'd bake it at three, you know, everything, everything black is baked at 350. So baking it at 350 for 30, 45 minutes, bang, we got a whatever you want to call it cake. And my mom would be like, that's special. Oh, that's great. And my grandma would be like, we got to taste it. And my mama would be like, I don't, what? Like she literally put everything you have in the kitchen in there. What you mean? And so I don't know if they, now that I'm older, I don't think they really taste it or if they just like, chucked it behind them when I wasn't looking. Mm -hmm. um, but that would have been my chopped experience. Like I literally used to just toss everything I owned into this pie pan, like my grandma was the best. She'd be like, we can make it baby, come on, we gonna, we gonna make your, your pie surprise or whatever I used to, to ask my mom if she remembers what they were called. She definitely remembers me doing it cause she would probably throw up today, but oh uh, it was a real thing. It was a real thing. I'm gonna have to make sure she comments on this to tell people it was a real thing. Anyway, so that was my chopped experience at like seven or eight, right? Or seven to 10, however long my grandma would let me make her this mystery pie. Um, but anyway, your chopped experience was different, I'm sure. So what was it like besides what we were able to see? It was, I mean, it's basically you go in, mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of waiting. So you're basically sitting in a room with the other contestants. Of course, there's cameras all around and right. they're not like in your face. They're just like planted places just to, you know, get the conversation. So when you see it cut to different things, that's what it is. Okay. You're in it for hours, okay. hours, right. hours and hours. Um, and then when you go out, you don't know any, like people, that's the one thing people always ask me, like, did you know the ingredients beforehand? No, you don't. Like you literally know it when you open the basket um and yeah it was fun it was you know it was kind of like it wasn't nerve-wracking or scary or anything I was if anything I was just excited just to yeah. be up there um and I've always been like the person to keep calm under pressure anyway like whenever I'm in the kitchen and just in general like you know I'm just you know kind of like a smooth like chill person so it wasn't like scared or anything. I just was like, oh, I'm just going to go in there and kill it. Like, and it's funny because Darius, my brother, gave me the advice is like, don't worry about anyone else. Just focus on what you got to do. And then that's it. So that's what I did. And then I got chopped. I know. I was like, ah! I was definitely so, screaming at the TV. I was not excited about it. So, um, I, mean, I was not excited it, about it all. I was very angry. I, I, do, I will say, I do feel like if, they had no idea that we were brother and sister, I would have been judged differently. I agree. I agree with that. I think so. I, I wouldn't even and there. Even it's funny, when, it, when the episode aired, he, my daddy's called me and you know, he, he, he won't like butter anything up. He'll tell you how it is. So he called yeah. me, he was like, honestly, Quay, they chopped you because of me. I'm just like, eh, it is what right. it is. Thanks, it's, Mr. Two-time champion. Right, <laughs> it wasn't because it just, they just made him so, such a part of my story, yeah. which is, you know, which I get it, but I think I'm lucky, you know, it's rare that you have two siblings in the same profession. Yeah. And I really didn't get that much of like the, no, 
it's rare that you have two siblings that do well in the same profession. Like having a family of people that do things, that do the same things is not that rare. Having right. people in the same family, like having a family of weigh-ins, like how many times do you see 40 siblings that can all act, right? So, I mean, I think you and Darius are rare in that you are in the same profession and you both do it very, very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what makes it rare. Because I mean, I can cook and Lana can make waffles, but that ain't rare. <laughs> that ain't rare at all. So oh. anyway. Yeah, it's just, it was just interesting seeing the, the big comparison between us two. Because yeah. it, it doesn't really happen. Like our family doesn't do it, you know. Right. Even when they, they found out that I wanted to be a chef, in the beginning, they're like, oh, is it because, you know, your brother is a chef? Because, you know, my brother and I, we have a 13-year age age gap. Right. Um, but I think people that knew us individually wasn't shocked at all that I was going to be a chef because right. I love cooking. I was always in a kitchen. So right. I, we never really got that comparison and like until the show. So I was just like, this is weird. Um, but yeah. it was cool. Like I'm glad well, I went now on you get to you guys get to tag team at Thanksgiving, and he mm-hmm. does his piece, and you do everything else. Well, you do all the desserts and everything <laughs> else, and he does like the the heavy meats and stuff like that. So you guys get to tag team in that in that area, and then which is funny because he was a, a pastry chef first. Really, he, I don't think I knew that. A lot of people don't. Darius started in pastry, and he was sick with it. In pastry and then and switch to savory yeah so it's just really funny that now do like all of the family get-togethers I do all of the pastry stuff and y'all y'all don't be at Thanksgiving but we go every other year except for the stupid pandemic we weren't there this year um and it is amazing it is like Thanksgiving for like 60 people there's a ton of people that come to Thanksgiving and yeah. there's barely any leftovers you know that makes me sad. Like that well, makes me sad. You gotta be quick with it. After the first round, people you gotta start make your plate. That's your plate. Yes, you if you miss it. out on the first round of plates, it's a wrap. You get nothing. You got no turkey for the next day. And then it's like a wave because it's like the first group of people are like four, and then the second like a wave of people are like five thirty, and then the four o'clock people are like, oh, I want another plate. You know, it's just. <laughs> Right. And then by the time we are, everybody's gone, everything's clean. And we're like, oh, we could go back in and get some. Nope. Nope. And that's when you're like, oh, but I hid you a plate in the cabinet above the underwear. Like, oh, oh, there's a plate for you in the back room on top of the dresser. Like, you gotta hide your stuff so nobody gets to it. So um, I guess that kind of is a good segue for us to talk about travel. So last, was it last year that you spent at the winery, the summer at the winery, or year before last? The year before. It I was feel like 2020 has gone on for like eight years. So it's very <laughs> difficult for me to remember what things were 2019 and kind of before. So um, I just, I guess, so one of the things I probably said during your bio was that you travel. I, I think I've probably minimize it in your bio, but mm-hmm. Quay is a world traveler. So one of the things that I used to admire about Quay outside of her amazing cooking skills was the chick was never home, ever, never home. Always like Quay's going to Paris or London or Quay's going to be in Thailand. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to the beach. Like, oh, well, I'm going to spend the weekend at Myrtle Beach. That's, that's awesome. Send me some pictures or something. Um, 
in all different kinds of clubs. And actually, um, you were the reason that I even traveled with one of the clubs um, from New York. It was a really great experience. Um, Claire is doing amazing things now. But um, one of the reasons that I even traveled there. So I guess maybe we start um, by the winery that you spent the summer at. Where, where were you? you were in, I feel like you were in Paris, but I don't think that's right. I wasn't in Paris. It sounds I good. In, I was in the south of France. I was in oh, France, right. but not Paris. Right. I was like eight hours away from Paris, actually. Okay. Um, South of France. Yeah. That sounds so like. It was nice. You yeah. know, I just. It sounds like put your pinky up. That's how it sounds. Like. <laughs> I was in the South of France. I mean, it does, but it was a lot of work. <laughs> and you yeah. lost your phone? Yo, I did. It, <laughs> lost it and then found it in wine. Um, I mean, if you're going to lose your phone. Losing yeah, it in wine is really not that bad of a thing. Right. Um, yeah, I, it's crazy how that whole thing came to fruition. But um, when you were speaking about being a private chef, it's, if it's lucrative, and yeah, because I basically worked my butt off that whole summer. Like every weekend I was in the Hamptons. Mm -hmm. And, but before working that whole summer, I made a decision back in February, I think to take two months off of work. Mm -hmm. um, and one of those months was to work in the, the winery during harvest season. So I went to the South of France and I worked at this organic winery vineyard. Um, and I did it during harvest season. So when I got there, it was mid-September because I purposely waited until I worked, um, what is it, Rosh Hashanah, which is a big Jewish holiday because I was like, I make a lot of money this week. Okay, like literally the last day, my clients was like, oh, Shaquay's going to France tomorrow. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so I, I like, worked, yeah, like I worked the last dinner and then I came home all my stuff was packed the next day I went to the airport and flew out to Barcelona um, because where we were in France we were two hours away from Barcelona mm -hmm. and then the owner of the winery Carrie um, who I met at a, a wine tasting in New York the year before which is how we got connected and me doing that and that's a, another whole story um, she came and picked me up um, and then we went to this the south of france a little a little city called mori and uh -huh. yeah and i worked um and then when i started the white the white wine mm -hmm. all of the grapes are already picked mm -hmm. and it was like the, the midpoint between all of the whites were picked and starting to be processed to when we were going to start the the red okay. and basically because it's organic they literally go out like every other day to taste the grape on each, like each plot of land that they have, they taste them like, mm, not yet, you know, it's, that's how it is. It's really, it's so cool. Like just learning that whole process. Like if there's a full moon, there's no picking because the moon, how, you know, the moon affects the water. And no, if it's full, didn't, know, didn't know, didn't know the moon affects the water. Like, yeah, so that's what the, like in waves and like the moon affects the waves and yeah. the tides and stuff. So that also affects like the water, everywhere so when you're planting you know biodynamically and um using like the moon phases they don't you don't want to pick fruit when there's a full moon because the water rushes up to the fruit so it'll make it like more watery it won't be as concentrated 
So like just different things like that. It's just like, whoa, that's so cool. But yeah, like I was out there in the vineyards, mm-hmm. picking grapes, then in the actual cob and just like sorting grapes out, like smushing grapes, stepping on grapes, then like in the barrels, like t- tasting the whole fermentation process, like the different stages, testing yeah. the alcohol level, tasting the the, the sugar content. See like my face? To- I'm like, yeah, I just want to like buy the wine. Yeah. Wine. <laughs> I got to know but, about full moons and waves and water. and Well, not, not every place does that, but this mm-hmm. place, they did it like that, um, which was great because so many, you know, wine is such a big thing now. So, so many vineyards are like not organic. Right. They aren't, they don't, it's just like mass production. Everything's right. by machine. So this is what sets them apart. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was just awesome. It was great. Like I I loved it. How much wine did you drink? Oh, so much. <laughs> Even now to this day, I can still drink wine, no problem. Like when I got back from that trip, me like liquor, eh, but my tolerance for wine is just it's just different. And you know, it's not oh you just drink because you're lush. It's just the lifestyle there. Like we would go right. to lunch and have two glasses of wine. Right. Then around like 6 p.m. it'll be aperitif hour. You right. have two glasses of wine. Then right. at dinner, you'll have two glasses of wine. So well, it's I'm culture. sure it's like culture, you know, a culture yeah, thing. There culture. are other places yeah, where it's sure. tea and other places where it's tequila. Like, I, you know, I don't know, but just, you know, the, depending on the culture you're in, yeah, well, that's just what you guys do. It's not, it's not frowned upon. People probably frowned upon it if you don't. Like, right. no, I have water. They're like, you have water. Like we drink wine here at the south of France. Yes. Wine is cheaper than bottled water. Yeah. And not even there in so many countries across Europe. That's a like that's a, a fact. Um so cool. yeah, so it wasn't like, you know, we were just drinking to get slosh. We were just it was just the way of life there. Just okay, like, okay, we're having a full course lunch. And there they believe you're in lunch, you have an hour lunch to yourself. Don't worry about work. You know, it's just, it's just different the way things work there. And it's, it's just, it was just nice. Would you move there? Or no. (laughs) Like, I love the wine. I want to go home. Why wouldn't you move there? Um, I wouldn't move there because it was just such a small, tiny town. Okay. um, That the only thing there was like the different vineyards and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it right. wasn't enough culture, you know? Yeah. I was the only one that looked like me. Right. Um, that was going to be my next question. Actually, there, I saw maybe a couple of Black people. Um, none from the States, though. But everyone was there because, like, you know, during harvest season, it's very populated because you have all the pickers that come from different places right. and work right. in the vineyards and blah, blah, blah. And then after harvest season is over, basically, maybe like, what was like a month ago, like a month and a half ago, then all those people go back home. Everybody goes back where so they are. It's like a small little, it's like that small town again and things are closed and blah, blah, blah. So no, I wouldn't live there. I would definitely go back and visit. Well, yes, because who doesn't want to visit the South of France? Right. Just, yeah. But uh, when, even when I visit, I would go work. Like, right. I would go of work for it because you, because yeah. it's you. It's fun. I just, I like, like it. So like travel, we talk about travel a little bit, right? So I am not diversely traveled at all. Like I have been several places in the United States. Um, I've been lots of places in the United States, but once you start talking about passport stamps, like you are like passport stamp shorty, like 
you know, just you have books on books on books. And I'm like, well, I just have this, this little one little, any page, sir, you can stamp any page. They're all, they're all open. Okay. You know My cousin say? over here is like ordering passbook, passport book, you know, extra pages. And I'm like, just this, just this one, <laughs> one stamp right here. Um, I can remember going somewhere for the first time. So it must've been somewhere local, like not locally, but as part of the United States. Um, that did not stamp my passport and I was pissed. What do you mean I'm not getting a stamp? I have gotten on a plane and like, I am no longer, I am out against Puerto Rico. And I was like, I'm here. What do you mean you're not going to the United States? I was like, what you, but I have my passport. What do you mean you're not going to stamp it? I was very sad because I felt like that was supposed to be part of it. Um, But what would you say was your favorite place to visit? Favorite place to travel? I know you've been to Thailand. So wait, before we even get to that, how many countries, do you know how many countries you've been to? You have to name them. I know there are a lot. I've been to about 20. I, I was going to say probably around 20. Um, and it's funny you say that. I feel like that's all relative because I don't think I've been to that many because, you know, like in the groups and stuff. I have friends that have been to like 90 countries. So I'm right. just like- And so it's relative. Yeah, it's, it's all relative. relative. Yeah. I talk to people that haven't been anywhere, right? Right, I right. talk to people yeah. that have, or have been, or that their only experiences have been cruises, right? So I've yeah. been to the Bahamas on a five day cruise and I'm like- It's a totally different experience. Completely different experience. And so it, it travel is definitely relative, you know, or, or when, you're, when you talk to people that- um, that their entire family is in one place, right? So not even on terms of like vacation and those kind of trips, but they just, all their people are here. Nobody's ever really been a traveler or somebody of, of real importance in their family was afraid of planes or afraid of, you know, water. And so Ooh. it really stifled their even desire for that type of experience. They're like, I don't, if I got to fly, I ain't going. Right. Um, you know, and for me, some of that has been... I've employed some of that. So not so much if I got to fly and going, but there are places that I want to visit that when I've asked you or I've asked other people, like, well, what's the flight like? And they're like, oh, it's a 20 hour flight. And y'all say it like it's nothing. Oh, you just get your little compression socks and a hit some headphones and a book, take some meds, you'll be good. And I'm like, I'm gonna be on a plane for how many, what, what? I can't leave and go where anywhere for how long? And y'all are all like, it'll be fine. And I'm like, I'm going to die. So I haven't quite crossed that threshold. So, all right. So we'll say 20 something countries. And, and what, a lot of them have been multiples. Like, right. Okay. Like I've been to Spain like four times. I've been to Portugal three, two, three times, you know, yeah, so I land a bunch. So like, what would, I won't even ask you to narrow it down to one. What would be your top three? What would be your top three favorite? That's so hard. Um, Top three favorite. Mm-hmm. Top three um, favorite countries. Um, it's really hard. Okay. All right. So there's never a good place to stop, but a good podcast has a great cliffhanger, right? Guess you'll have to tune in to part two of my interview with Shaquay to figure out what her top three favorite countries are. We'll be back. So until then, be nice, but be authentic because yeah, I'm listening. <laughs>